What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Best case, worst case, part five. We're going to be looking at Phil Steele's projected third place finishers in the Big Ten East and West. Before we get going, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, like us, leave a review. And if you want to be like my pal, Jim Ebersol, who has been texting me about the worst case or best case for Penn State, if you want to be like him and you want to send me your results or send me your thoughts, send me an email, Talk at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Big Ten Football Talk. You can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at Zach Guggenheim. Uh, my hope is that in the next few weeks we'll we'll set up some Big Ten Football Talk accounts, at least on Twitter. Uh, and that's where I'll, I'll try to post in-game updates and stuff as I watch football because, of course, I have time to do that. I really don't have time to watch football. I don't have time to do anything, but we're going to try. So YouTube TV has that nice feature where you can record games and watch watch the highlights later so maybe we'll do that we're gonna we're gonna start with minnesota minnesota and penn state i think uh there there's some similarities there but i I, i'm just gonna i don't know if this this is appropriately called a trigger warning this is a trigger warning for penn state fans i'm not very high on penn state this year so I'm going to give that to you early. So if you're a Penn State fan and you're like, I don't want to hear bad things about my team, it, you can save the rest of the time. I, I don't think it's going to be terrible. I, I Their best case is good. Uh, in fact, actually, my, my friend Jim, uh, I think, nailed it in his text to me earlier uh, this week. But I'm just going to be honest up front. It's not national championship and it's, it's not playoff. For, for Penn State. So I'm just going to give that teaser, but I'm going to start with Minnesota. Minnesota uh, ha- has, I think, a schedule that really sets them up well. And I think if the cards fa- or the pieces fall right, the, the, the cards fall right, I guess is, is a good phrase. I think they, they might actually be able to get not just to a Big Ten championship game, but really have a, a really, really good record. If you look at their schedule, they don't draw the top two teams in the East, in Ohio State and Michigan. I, I think those are the two best rosters in the East. They, their non-conference, it, it's, it's straight-up trash. It's New Mexico State, it's Western Illinois, and then it's Colorado. They beat Colorado 30 to nothing last year. And they get Colorado at home. And just just to give context, last year Minnesota lost to Bowling Green, which would make me think, well, maybe they'll blow a game like New Mexico State. No, New Mexico State's terrible. I mean, they're awful. And Western Illinois is an FCS school. So I I, I really think regardless of that, they they most likely start 3 and 0 unless if Colorado really improves and they they come out of the gate and, and beat Minnesota and then you look at the rest of their schedule they do drop Penn State and Michigan State and they have to go to Michigan State and Penn State so that's tough and they have to go to Wisconsin also tough but then like if I'm going to go to Michigan State or Penn State or play Ohio State at home I'd rather 
go to Michigan State and go to Penn State than play Ohio State at home. So I, I think the East crossovers, it's it's not great, but they do get Rutgers, which I think that should be a win. I, I mentioned that in the Rutgers episode that I don't think Rutgers has the roster for them to win. So I, but before I kind of give my full breakdown, here's just a few things about Minnesota to realize. Their lines are going to be weaker. They lose Daniel Falele, uh, who is a fourth-round pick in the NFL draft. They lose Boy Mafe on the de- defensive side of the ball. I think they, they only have one starter coming back on the offensive line. They do get a couple of transfers. Uh, they get Chuck, Chuck Falega out of Michigan and Quinn Carroll from Notre Dame. And I think that it, it's going to sustain them, but – they're, they're going to have some stability issues on the offensive line or some cohesion issues, I think, early. So the question is, how well does that offensive line gel early? That's one thing. Second thing, recognize that Minnesota was beating people last year with, like, their sixth string running back. Mo Ibrahim got hurt early. Trey Potts got hurt later. Those are two really good running backs. I think Ibrahim might be a top three running back in the league. And that's saying something because you've got Travion Henderson and I think you've got, you've got a few other decent backs. You know, I think Blake Corum is, is good. I I think Donovan Edwards at at Michigan is going to really kind of blow expectations out of the water at Michigan. I think he's going to be really, really good. But then after that, I I think Mo Ibrahim might be the best back, like the third best back in the big 10. Like, he's really, really good, and he was out all season last year. So if he returns healthy, that's really good. I think I think Minnesota's receivers are underrated. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, he was hurt for part of the year last year. I think Dylan Wright, uh, who was a transfer out of Texas A&M, is, is going to be good. Daniel Jackson, who was a true freshman last year. They have a pretty good tight end in Brevin Span Ford. So they have pieces – in the, in the skill positions that I think are really, really talented, particularly for Minnesota. And then you have Tanner Morgan. who Tanner Morgan and Sean Clifford, is, I think this is one of the bigger similarities between Minnesota and Penn State. He uh, Tanner Morgan is a veteran who he can implode and lose you a game for sure. But he can also get hot and win you a game that you shouldn't win. And so that that's happened. I mean, that happened last year. You know, they beat Wisconsin, but they lose to Bowling Green. If you look at their schedule last year, they went nine and four. They won their bowl game. They beat Wisconsin. They they beat Purdue. So they have the ability to win the big games in the West. The real question is, can they keep themselves from blowing the stupid game? Because they lost to Illinois and they lost to Bowling Green. They win both those games. They go 10-2. and two, And I think, if I, if I remember the, the standings right, they would have... No, they would, they would have lost a tiebreaker to Iowa. But they still... They would have been tied for first in the West. And instead, they blew two very winnable games. But my point here is this. Minnesota has the pieces. And remember, most of the games last year, they didn't have their easily their best player on offense. In Mo Ibrahim. So they get him back. If he's healthy, even with the offensive line taking a step back, even with the defensive line stepping back, they get most of their back seven back uh, on defense. 
So just going to the schedule, New Mexico State is a win. And worst case, best case, it doesn't matter. It's a win. Western Illinois, it's a win. Colorado, I think, is a win even even in the worst case scenario. Let's go worst case. Because we'll go worst case and the best case. So they're 3-0 going to at Michigan State. And Michigan State, you know, they're, they're running, the transfer running back hits. So they're giving up big chunks of yards on the ground, which opens up the play-action pass game. And Peyton Thorne throws all over the yard. And Minnesota loses by 17. They go to Purdue. And Purdue outthrows... Minnesota, they get the game out of reach at halftime, so they they lose the ability to keep running the ball, and that forces Tanner Morgan to throw, which is, I think, key, right? Because if Minnesota can control the clock and they can run the ball, they can be in every game. But I don't think Tanner Morgan can really win you most games. They might be He might be able to win you one or two. But I think in the worst-case scenario, they lose at Michigan State, they lose uh, to Purdue, and they go into the bye week. Then they go to Illinois. I know Illinois beat them last year. With a healthy Mo Ibrahim, I don't think that happens. And I think Mo Ibrahim, even in the worst case scenario, they slog out a tough win. They get to four and two, brings them to Penn State, and Penn State just has too much talent, and they they overpower uh, and they outthrow um, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I think the the big key is Penn State's defense solidifies to the point where they have they force Tanner Morgan to have to throw to win the game, and uh, Porter Jr. picks them off and they get the win. They drop to four and three. They get Rutgers at home. They beat Rutgers five and three. They go to Nebraska, and Nebraska's competent. Uh, Casey Thompson is good enough to to again get a lead where they have to abandon the run game, and they lose by 10, drops them to 5-4. Five and four. They beat Northwestern, 5-5, five and five, and then they split Iowa and at Wisconsin. Because I do think they're good enough to beat one of those teams, even in the worst-case scenario. And I, So the worst case, I've got them 6-6. Six and six. I think they are a 6-6 six and six team at their floor. Because they, they're, they're, their skill positions, even their receivers, are good enough to keep them in most games, even even if there there's a lead, the issue is I don't think Tanner Morgan can can outthrow a team. So that's my worst case. I think six and six is the worst case. Now let's do the best case. Best case I think is really intriguing. So again, three and zero. They beat New Mexico State. They beat Western Illinois. They beat Colorado. At Michigan State and Purdue are their next two games, and I think in the best case scenario, they split. Because Minnesota does not have the depth to kind of go, you know, to kind of just run the gauntlet. So I think they lose one of those games. But they are 4-1. and one. And let's just say they, they have a big win against Michigan State. And that really, really gets momentum. But then they lose a heartbreaker to Purdue, which is their homecoming. Which would be on brand for P.J. Fleck because he lost at their homecoming last year. So 4-1, and one, it feels like. The boat is sunk. They come back and they beat the brakes off of Illinois. Five and one. Then they get to Penn State with a lot of momentum and they eke out a win. Mo Ibrahim has a big day because Penn State can't stop the run and they control the game. And Tanner Morgan just gets just enough play action to really loosen up that secondary. 
uh, or uh, the the front seven, and they win that game by a touchdown in Happy Valley in the whiteout, six and one, lots of momentum. Then they get to Rutgers. They beat Rutgers seven and one. They get to Nebraska, and you know all my thoughts about Scott Frost and how he loses games fairly easily. They beat Nebraska eight and one. They beat Northwestern nine and one, and then they get to the Iowa at Wisconsin combo. And I think they drop one of those games. And here's here's my prediction, or not my this is not my prediction. Here's the best case scenario: they lose a game to the team that has the worst record. And so at the end of the year, if you look at the West standings, all three leader or you know all the top three teams: Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota either has the best record or they own the tiebreaker. And they go to the Big Ten Championship game where they face uh, Ohio State State or Michigan and they lose. Uh, Because I don't think they can beat those teams. I I just don't think they're they're skilled enough to get over the hump in those games. Um, And if they have Penn State and Michigan State on the schedule, they're probably not going to get Michigan State or Penn State in the Big Ten title game because – They'll have beaten them. They'll already have a loss, and so I think the one the one caveat is if Michigan if they beat or if they lose to Michigan State and beat Purdue out of that first combo, then I think best case scenario is they get Michigan State in a rematch and they beat Michigan State and win the Big Ten title, and then you know put up a good showing against a good team in the Rose Bowl, but ultimately falls short. Um, so that's my that's my thought for Minnesota. Um. As I need to look up at the end of this whether the Rose Bowl is the site of a playoff game this year. I don't think it is. No, it's not. The The Rose Bowl was a playoff game in 2020, so that's not, again, until 2023. So, yeah, the Rose Bowl. They'll play somebody in the Rose Bowl, and they will uh, – they'll, they'll – actually, I think they could beat a Pac-12 team in the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, best-case scenario, they win the Rose Bowl. There we go. Um – yeah, I, yeah, and they finished twelve and two. That'd be a heck of a season for PJ Fleck. Um, see, sometimes I have a plan in my head, and I just have to change as I think about it. So that's that's the beauty of being a verbal processor. Let me take a quick break, uh, and we'll go to the best case and worst case scenario for your Penn State Nittany Lions. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Just as a reminder, if you're like, where did the where the background music go or the the intro bumper? What where's the music? What why is this different? Well, two things. One, I've realized that if I record through my phone, it's a lot easier to edit. But I need to get new bumper music, so uh, so that I can actually make it feasible to have music in this format. So it's coming. Hopefully, I I need to talk to someone about that, but. Until then, most podcasts will not have my intro music or my outro music. So if you're like, I, re- I really only listen for the music. Well, I'm sorry. If you only listen for the music, that's weird. But that's what's going on. So you're not actually weird if you – well, no, maybe you are. Anyway, that was weird. Penn State Nittany Lions. There we go. Penn State Nittany Lions. As I mentioned before, I- I'm not very high on Penn State this year. There, there's. Uh, I was listening to uh, a podcast. Uh, my, my my friends, not really my friends, but the podcast uh, Buckeye Talk uh, over by Cleveland.com. 
Doug Lee Maurice made a really good point uh, that six NFL guys, six NFL draft picks were drafted off of the Penn State defense last year, including some really, really high picks in Jaquan Brisker and Ebba Cady, uh, who is an edge rusher for them. You know, they, they lost Brandon Smith at linebacker. They lost a lot of guys. Tariq Castro-Fields is gone. And it really felt like if you go back and look at what Penn State could have been last year, I think they let the season slip away from them because they started out so well. And they should have beaten Iowa uh, in Iowa City, if not for the injury to Sean Clifford. And I know a lot of people are divided on Sean Clifford. Uh I think if he was healthy, I think he go, they go into Columbus undefeated. And honestly, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Ohio State in Columbus with the way that they were playing pre-Clifford injury. I mean, something I hadn't realized, and I was, I was re-watching the Iowa-Penn State game just, just for a little bit. Penn State was dominating Iowa. And Clifford threw two picks up to that point, And they were still dominating Iowa. And it really wasn't until after Clifford went out where they just they could not do anything. And so I, I know that the, the Illinois game was inexcusable and, and they really they, they imploded down the stretch last year. But I don't know. I mean, they, they, they kept it close against Ohio State. They kept it close against Michigan. They kept it close against Michigan State. And then they, they really got dominated by Arkansas. But... I think that was that was a momentum thing more than anything else. <clears throat> momentum and, and matchup than anything else. But here's the thing. I think I'm going to give worst case scenario and there's there's a lot that goes into it. One is the worst case is there's there is a real potential for a quarterback controversy. Drew Alar is a highly rated, I think he was a five-star prospect. I think he might have been the, the number one quarterback uh, at the end of the day in their recruiting rankings. I'm, I'm trying to recall. He was at least a high four-star, maybe a five-star recruit. Really, really big-time quarterback prospect out of the state of Ohio. And so he's a freshman. Sean Clifford's a six-year senior. So that's, that's, that's going to be an issue. The other issue is, well, there's two. One is the defense. Can they bring, you know, can they solidify and and be as good as last year? Because they were, especially the secondary, the defensive secondary was nasty last year. And they lose half their secondary. You know, they do have Joey Porter back, but I'm honestly not not convinced by anybody else in that secondary yet. Their, Their linebackers, Curtis Jacobs is back. They have Sutherland and King projected as starters. Okay. Maybe they'll they'll be up to the task. I'm not sure. And then they get Mustafer back. That's big for them. He was a big run stuffer for them. But again, there's not a lot of returning guys. And so that's that's something that you're looking out for. And then you're also asking about the offensive line because the offensive line under James Franklin, it, it was not just bad last year. It's been bad every year. They had freaking Saquon Barkley as their running back, and he couldn't get yardage behind that offensive line. And that dude is the best running back I've ever seen. 
And so I have no confidence that James Franklin can have a good offensive line. I think his best offensive line has been mediocre. And so and that and they they lost Rasheed Wallace. No, Rasheed Walker. Rasheed Wallace is a basketball player. Goodness sake. But they they that being said, they they lost their their best offensive lineman in the draft. They don't have a lot coming back on the offensive line. And so I I'm just very skeptical. Like I I'm higher on Minnesota than I am Penn State because Minnesota while they have to replace a lot of offensive linemen as well. They have a better track record. And they have guys coming in. They have transfers coming in. They've recruited at least somewhat decently there. Penn State has not recruited well or had any transfers for the offensive line. And if you don't have a good offensive line, you can't win in the Big Ten. You can't, At least you can't compete at the highest level. And so that's my concern. All of my concerns. So let me go to the worst case. The worst case scenario is this. They start at Purdue, and the secondary is not nearly as good as last year. Aiden O'Connell carves up the defense. Clifford, you know, Clifford is the quarterback, but there's some rumblings in training camp saying Drew Alar looks pretty good. And they, it, they, they play decent, but then Clifford throws a couple of untimely picks, and they lose by three to, at Purdue. They go to Ohio, they beat the brakes off of Ohio because it's Ohio. And then they go to Auburn again. And here's here's a key, sorry. Before they go to Auburn, at Ohio, they, when they play Ohio, Drew Alar gets the second half and he looks spectacular. They go to Auburn and they get the doors blown off at Auburn. And they drop to one and two. They make a quarterback switch, which everybody thinks they want. But a true freshman behind that offensive line is a terrible, terrible idea. I'm just putting that out there. It's a terrible idea. And so just just to realize, you may want Drew Alar as your quarterback. And it might, for the long term, might be the better thing to do. But you're going to tank your season if you do that. And so in this worst case scenario, that's what they do. And then they get Central Michigan. You know, Drew Alar has has some good moments and bad moments. They beat Central Michigan. They get to two and two, but it's not without its hiccups. They play Northwestern, and Northwestern is playing inspired football under Pat Fitzgerald, and they get upset by Northwestern, and they're two and three going into the break. They get at Michigan, two and four. They get Minnesota, two and five. Ohio State, two and six. That sounds really bleak. Drew Lar gets some things going, and they finish out six and six. Because I don't think Penn State has too much talent. I think to to not be bowl to be bowl eligible. So even though they're it's at Indiana, Maryland, at Rutgers, Michigan State. I think at Indiana and at Rutgers they win. I think Maryland and Michigan State they could lose, but I think. Even with Drew Alar getting in, I think he gets enough. He has enough talent and experience, and I think the the the, more, the other inexperienced players, you know, they they play some inspired football, and they get to six and six, where they get a really mediocre bowl opponent, and they go seven and six because Penn State has the talent, I think, to be a really good football team. 
But I think they have some bad matchups, and, and I think they I think things can go haywire early for them in the season. So could they go five and seven reasonably? Probably not. Um, I I would put the likelihood at six and six at like twenty five percent. Put the likelihood at five and seven like at a half a percent. So I'm not. I, I I think six and six is more the reasonable worst case scenario, uh, with with a bowl win against a middling MAC team. Let's talk about the best case scenario, because I think a lot of people. I, you know, I live in Pennsylvania, so I, I I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast are in Pennsylvania. They think, oh, Penn State, they're gonna be great. I think you know they they could go twelve and zero this year. You know, here's the thing. First first and foremost. If they want the best case scenario for this season, Sean Clifford has to stay healthy and he has to be awesome. No quarterback controversy. Because there's a quarterback controversy, things will go south. You got to play at Michigan, you got to play Minnesota, you got to play Ohio State all in a row. That's going to do nothing for the confidence of a true freshman. Like, sorry. That's terrible. Don't do that to your true freshman quarterback. So that's step one. Sean Clifford needs to be great. Second thing, the offensive line has to be mediocre. I've lost all confidence that they can be great, but they've got to be mediocre. And the secondary in particular and, and the defensive line have to be good to great. That's that's how you get to the best case scenario. And here's the best case scenario. At Purdue, they win. You know, they they win at Purdue. They beat Ohio. I think they lose at Auburn either way. Because it's a bad matchup for them. I I don't think necessarily Auburn is the better program and the better roster. But Tank Bigsby is is going to be fighting and is going to be running against I think a better offensive line. Uh, than Penn State is prepared for. I think Penn State's defensive line is going to eat Penn State's offensive line for lunch. Like, they just have really good players. I think, uh, blanking on his name, the, the defensive end for uh, that's really good. I think it's Derek Carter. Um, I'll, I'll look it up here in a minute. Um, Derek Hall. Yeah, Derek Hall is their edge rusher who is an all SEC projected player. Um, I think that's going to him and Owen Rappo, who's the star linebacker for them. I think that's a really, really bad matchup for Penn state. So I, I think they lose that game. They beat central Michigan and Northwestern. So they come out of the break four and one go to Michigan. And I th- here's the thing. I, th- I, out of at Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, I think they drop one of those games in the best case scenario. In the best case scenario, um, I think it's going to be Ohio State. I think they can get Michigan, depending on how Michigan does. I'm not sure they can beat Ohio State. I thought I thought Penn State played pretty well last year, even though Clifford was not healthy. And Ohio State's defense was bad. And the running game was weird. And Ohio State still beat them by 
by nine. And I think that game was probably a little bit more lopsided than people want to give it credit for. They they hung tough, and I think I think if Penn State had more momentum, I think Penn State could have could have upset them in the shoe. I think Ohio State's gonna be a lot better this year, even in their worst case scenario. So I, I think they dropped to, to Ohio State, but regardless, I think they lose one of those three games. And so I think they they go to, you know, say they beat Michigan, they beat Minnesota, they lose to Ohio State. That puts them at six and two, and then they finish out the rest of the season. They go ten and two, which is exactly what Jim Ebersole texted me. Ten and two, great job. I don't think they can get to a Big Ten championship game. If they were in the West, they'd be my co-favorites with Wisconsin. They're not in the West; they're in the East. And while I think Michigan State, I, I don't think Michigan State's the better team. But I think Michigan State has a better pathway. Whereas I think I, I just don't think I, here's here's the rub. I think Penn State is going to lose to the eventual Big Ten champ in this scenario. the The only way that they would get to the Big Ten title game is if Ohio State has two losses, which they could. And so. Again, I'm thinking on the fly here. I guess in theory, we could say Ohio State loses two games and Penn State gets to the Big Ten championship game um, and would win the Big Ten title. I, I just think that's going to be a little unrealistic for Penn State. I just think their roster is not built for that. Now, I could be totally wrong. Again, this is reasonable best case. So there is a scenario where I think, again, maybe a half percent scenario where I think they get to the Big Ten championship game. But I just think, I think the ceiling is 10 and two New Year's Six Bowl. So, and this is where I differ from my good buddy, Jim. I think they lose, if they get to a New Year's Six Bowl game, I think they lose. Because one of the trademarks of the better teams in the New Year's Six, they have better offensive lines and they have better defensive lines. And that's where this team is weak. So I, I, again, I'm not high on Penn State this year. I think, I think their year to really make a dent and make make a playoff run was last year, and I think they blew it. Part of it was the fact that Sean Clifford got hurt, but I think the other part of it is just I have not seen under Franklin the ability for them to have a good offensive line. And if they want to compete with Michigan and Ohio State, they got to get a good offensive line. They've got to be able to run the ball. And not just run the ball because Saquon Barkley can tear off a 75-yard run because he's ridiculous, and or, or Miles Sanders for that matter. But it's got to be sustained drives where they can really get the play-action pass going. Because they have good receivers. They have Parker Washington. They have uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith. They have uh, Mitchell Tinsley who transferred uh, from Western Kentucky. They have a really good receiving core. That's not going to matter if you can't keep your quarterback upright. So that's that's my concern for them. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, would love to so shoot me an email, shoot me a, a direct message on on Instagram. Again, this has been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. This is part five of the best case, worst case. We'll be back on Friday morning for part six, where we will talk Michigan and Iowa. Take care and God bless everybody.